Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Child speaks to management consultant Nolik Heffernan about the practical use and application of the yearly planner to organise your farming year in an effective and efficient way. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Dairy for 2021. Uh, we've had a, a nice break now, to be honest. I suppose it's been three or four weeks at least since I was on. Um, so back for a fresh start, and we have a very appropriate topic for uh, today, given that it's the new year and it's the first Let's Talk Dairy of, of 2021. We're going to talk about time management with Nolig again. Uh, we're delighted, and thanks again to Marcus Gilnet for uh, giving us, being, putting us in the position to have Nolig with us. And uh, today, Nolik is going to talk about the yearly planner and how we can use that to kind of structure the work around the whole year and make better decisions that will ultimately improve the, the way things operate on your farm. So being kind of ahead of the game and knowing what has to be done and when it has to be done is part of this. And I suppose, Nolik, the one thing um, that I've had a bit of feedback on with very good positivity in relation to what we've been doing with the last couple of weeks, but I suppose what I'd ask you to do maybe is put an emphasis on how this can work for people that are sole operators, maybe that have only very casual help maybe coming in as opposed to maybe some of the larger scale firms um, that are, have staff on them. So one example that I would give of someone who has implemented what Nolik is talking about here is for any of you that were listening to the Irish Grassland Association conference yesterday, Tom O'Connell, uh, the dairy farmer from Inniscarra that spoke, um, attended Nolik's course a couple of years ago in Moorpark and Tom and Helen, his wife, implemented a lot of what Nolik had suggested, and you could see that from the presentation yesterday. And it doesn't have to be difficult, I suppose. That's the, the big thing about it, and Tom was very clear on that yesterday as well, that it's very, um, it, there's nothing extremely formal about the way they do it or anything like that. It, it, it's just lay out the, the situation as it is, and Nolik is going to show you what, what, that, what that is about, uh, and just following through with it then, and it just gives clarity. Now, as I said, Tom obviously has... The, uh, the, is in the fortuitous position that he has two staff working with him, but obviously it puts him under pressure too to deliver on that yearly planner then from that point of view as well, so that there isn't going to be any uh, clashes or anything. So I suppose, um, again, to give one, I think I've, I've told you this one, Nolik, as well. Um, my wife, want, I won't say what age she was, but she had a significant birthday there back last in 2020, and uh, I needed the weekend off uh, for that. And Martina, who does a lot, Martina Garmley, who's our specialist in the, South, in the West, does a lot of work with Nolik, and she actually gave out to me uh, because, unfortunately, I uh, left myself without a person to cover me for milking the weekend that I was supposed to be off for my wife's birthday. And Martina said to me, it's not like her birthday isn't the same date every year, Stuart. So <laughs> that's where Nolik is coming from, basically, that we know there are certain aspects that we have to cover at certain times of the year, uh, certain things that we may have to attend. So uh, in, with the, I suppose with the case of weddings and things like that, maybe not like no, there aren't too many of them at the moment with COVID sure. and stuff, but they won't be known right now. But how? So how do you deal with those things as well? Maybe you might just cover those aspects of it. So I'll hand over to you. You're okay to present your slides, are you? Super, I'm just going to uh, share screen there now. So uh, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year to you yeah. all um, from a very white Tipperary. So thank you very much, Stuart, for having me here today in Chalgus, of course, and uh, Makra Agricultural Skillnet. Um, great examples, and I will definitely refer to those those ones, um, Stuart. I think it's look, it's it's lovely to hear that Tom was sharing his information yesterday because, of course, this is this is one of the the reasons we're speaking here today is to to discuss the people, you know, to show what we look at on the people management courses. For anybody who doesn't have employees, I apply all of this. I'm a sole trader. I work for myself, I travel a lot, um, I have small children, so I have plenty of demands on my time as well. And for you um, who are listening, who are sole traders and feel maybe this is for people who have, you know, working one man operation, um, this really, gosh, applies to you maybe more than anybody else. So there's loads of things here that we can work on and that you as individuals can take away. So please don't feel this is for the bigger operation. It's for every single person. Um, because everybody has to deal with time and manage time appropriately. So I'm just going to, um, as I said, thank you very much to Makra. I spoke with Stuart before Christmas and I just talked about, uh, as, from a psychology background, you know, being, being man managing your time um, well is, is really 
really important because it, it gives you, it makes you feel better about yourself. And that's really, I'll just blank my screen there for a moment. That's really critical with farming, which, you know, is rife with guilt. I, I meet farmers all the time saying, how do I deal with the guilt of not having a good day's work? How do I deal with the guilt of being away when I feel I should be working? So this is going to really work on those ideas that if you're managing your time effectively, um, and thank you, Martina Gormley, for having a go at Stuart, because that, you know, we, we have to say that's disgraceful, really, isn't it, poor Stuart? Um, because, you know, knowledge is power. And if you know what's coming up, then you arrange and you plan your day around that. So part of this time management toolbox I mentioned before Christmas, um, I spoke about different ways of weighting your, your, your uh, tasks and what's important. But today we're going to look very much at this idea of planning and task prioritization. And these are learnable skill sets. Time management is a huge, huge industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. There's any amount of books on productivity and time management. So, and because they're about time management, they're nice quick reads or it's an audio book that you could listen to. You know, maybe you're, you, um, you're doing a job on farm that's, that's relatively straightforward and you can put some earphones in and you can listen to an audio book. There's a lot of research and information around the effectiveness of time management and, and being productive. So don't shy away from that idea. This is the idea that panics everybody. This is the concept. It's deliberate practice. So what happens, we try something and it doesn't work. Of course, we run a mile and say, well, it didn't work. It's no good. We need to work on planning and we need to work on this idea of task prioritization. So the biggest, this is a really um, simple solution for your business in terms of it doesn't cost any money. But what it does, what it, where it's time consuming is that you have to apply yourself. And this is a great time to apply it, apply yourself because you, you've got a little bit of time in the system. Uh, we know from psychology that anything that under pressure, you'll revert to what's normal. So you should be working on this now. Come springtime, all of this is going to fly out the window if you haven't been practicing it. Uh, you'll forget all about it. And then after spring, you'll be like, oh, God, I forgot to do this, this and this. So when we're changing behavior, you need time to be able to do that. So what I would suggest to any group that I'm speaking to, any farming group, you know, really working on this from July onwards if you're a spring block calving system. But certainly never be afraid to try it. And today is the first day of the rest of your life. So start today. And if it hasn't gone well in the past, you know, just put that aside and start again. So definitely practicing this, working on it. How do we do it? Well, very, very simply. What we need to think about, and, and the idea came about a couple of years ago, I was asked to speak, Abigail Ryan asked me to speak at um, Moor Park Open Day and, and Marion was with me, Marion Beecher um, and John, John McNamara from Chinook. And we, we were talking about how to um, manage your time better. And we came about with this idea of the yearly planner. So what happens is um, time influences time. And what most people do, and it's going to blank that again, what most people do is they talk about working to get the job done. And when you work to get the job done, well, the job can take all year if you wanted to. So what we need to do is we need to think, but if I take all year to do the job, something else suffers because there's an opportunity cost of time. So rather than thinking about time cumulatively, we need to think about discounting time. So rather than saying, what, have I, what, what uh, do I have to get done? It's saying, how much time do I have to get it done? And so we need a big picture of time to influence our daily operations. Time influences time. What I do today affects tomorrow affects this week, affects this month, affects this year. So we need to have a big picture of time and work backwards. And that's where the idea of the yearly planner came in. So it's thinking about the whole, it's a macro view of time, thinking about the whole year. Now we do this visually because visual is much easier to see than reading something. And also it's really powerful for to show you how quickly time gets consumed on farm if you're not paying attention to what you're doing. So time influences time. So we start off and we've got our year, We've got our month, we've got our weekly things that are going on, and then we've got daily. Now, what I find traditionally is people are working uh, on a day-to-day -day basis rather than thinking about how that impacts the big, the big picture. And where that's really, really obvious is the make hay while the sun shines idea, where you say, God, today's a fine day. I'll batter out a really heavy day-to-day. -day. I'll work a 10-hour farming day-to-day -day without thinking about the fact that that's going to impact your subsequent days. So if I have a huge workload on a Monday, I'm not going to be as effective on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, I'm, I'm worn out. I've, I've had, and that's what we call peaks and troughs. So if you look at something like sport, you know, elite athletes go for high averages. They don't go for peaks and troughs. They don't expend a huge amount of energy, die, and then peak again. What they do is they go for high averages. And that's what you should be looking to do, is having consistently good work days every day. You can only do that if you plan for it. So we need to think about the big picture. How am I going to plan for it? Well, we take something like a yearly planner, which is this one. 
we work backwards so that we're working effectively across the month, then we're working effectively across the week, and then we're working at any one time we are always doing what we should be doing. Now, this needs a bit of time to get your head around it, but it really is powerful and effective. Um, and look, I, I speak about what's interesting about this idea. It came up as a simple idea for Moore Park Open Day in 2017, but I delivered this in the UK for AHDB. We recently put together a planner uh, that they've given to their dairy farmers for them to work out what they're doing on a weekly basis. Um, I do it with Dairy Australia. They run the same kind of workshops that, that we do here in, the, in, in Ireland. So it's a simple idea, but it's highly, highly effective to think about time in this way. So looking at, and I'm going to come down here then at the, today, and I'm going to work it backwards. So we're going to start off with the big picture of time, and then we're going to come back to what you should be doing at any one time on a daily basis. I would say that I'm giving you quite a bit of information. I have forwarded the fact sheet to Stuart, so that can be passed on to people attending today, just to give you the, the summary of information that I'm speaking about. So critically, businesses are very conscious that time influences time. Therefore, what you do on a yearly basis is going to, it must, you know, what you do you should, on a daily basis, be, um, understand what it is that you do on a yearly basis. But you should be able to break your year down into a daily basis. So they're, they're absolutely intertwined. There's no getting away from it. What I do today is influenced by what I need to get done across the year. The year will tell me what I need to get done today. Okay? So star performers are very conscious that time influences time, and so they're working effectively. How are we going to do it? With a really, really simple exercise, and, and Tom spoke about it yesterday at the IGA conference, we're going to talk about the discounted planner. So what you need is a 12-month wall planner. I'll just pop up to the, next, to the previous page. These guys here, so these are the yearly wall planner. It's a big piece. It, you, know, you get it as big as possible. You make it as visual as possible, and you sit down and you work with that, and that's going to influence what you're doing on a daily basis. You're thinking about where you're spending your time. These are on, I, I just Googled these. These are all online. You can get free templates online. You could do it. I quite often do it as an Excel spreadsheet and just draw up the year. And if I was doing it with the work, with the group, uh, we'd sit down with a, an A3 uh, planner that I drew up on, on Excel. And um, that's how we would do the exercise for in a group. You know, it could be that you have all the months of the year across. One of the best ones I heard was a, a farmer in the UK saying he went to buy some cattle from somebody and they had painted, it was a dairy, dairy system they had painted the wall planner on the outside wall of the dairy. So they had a big calendar on the outside wall of the dairy and they were filling stuff in as they were, you know, they, they had that all marked out, all the set play, all the things they knew they were doing and that people interacted around that every single day. It was, it's a bit like going to a construction site and everybody will stand around the engineer who's, or the project manager who's telling you what needs to be done that day. So they were using it as a communication tool really, really effectively. Paint a wall, you can get whiteboard paint, you can get blackboard paint. It doesn't have to be expensive or complicated. Go to a local um, stationery supplier and get a decent wall planner. Quite often you see it in, in uh, publications, media, farmers journal, various um, things like that. So uh, you get your wall planner. Okay, we've got that big picture. We have loads of family input. This is really important. Loads of family input so that we don't do a steward on it and miss our wife's birthday. We actually know what's coming up. We know when our children have their school play. Uh, we know when holidays are, you know, we know when children are off school, for example. We know when our parents' birthday is. We know if, they're, if in normal times, we'd know when a wedding is coming up or uh, anticipated christening. Those kind of things, getting loads of family input. Because we need to be, you know, if you want a license, if you want a social license to farm, you have to bring other people on that journey. Other people need to be part of that and feel that they're not being burnt by the farm you know well what's the, this is no good I don't want to go farming my you know my parents never came to any of my weren't able to come to any of my matches my parents weren't able to come to any school shows because they were tied to the farm so it's really about having lots of family input we also use colors and stickers and anything that is visually attractive why do we like visual stuff because our brains can read visual we can read a picture quicker than we can read words so we really if I was doing this in a group I would encourage everybody to move away from writing into the calendar and using color coding. So having a color coding system is a fantastic example. Uh, one of the, this, this, the courses I did with Makra in uh, Limerick, a, a farmer in Limerick, and he had color coded categories. So anything to do with something specific, you know, he, you could see it the whole way down. So if he was talking about heifers, anything to do with heifers, you could spot the colors straight away on the calendar and you could map what was going on on his farm. It was very, very interesting to look at. You bring your, get your diary of events and say, right, what's coming up? And I put this at the bottom, staff input. 
So what a lot of farmers will say to me in the discussion groups that I do, they say, oh, I give my staff their time off first because I'm a good employer. That's not a good employer. You have the risk of the business, you're entitled to some of the perks. Take your own time first. Take your own holidays first. This would happen in every other sector in, in business. They would, management would take their own holidays first and then they would give, give what's left over for staff to work out when they can be, be off. Because it's really important that taking the risk of the business, you're entitled to some of the perks. And you all know what that's going to look like if you go home and say, well, I've let so-and-so go on these holidays so we can't go to your, your sister's wedding. You know, you've got to think about the conversation that's going to come about if you don't do that. So look after yourself first. As a business owner, as a manager, you are such significant players in your business, you should be looking after yourself and getting some perks from the business. So staff input actually comes quite late on in this process. What's it going to look like when I do it? I'm just going to show you some pictures of, of ones that I've done. Uh, I discounted the time not available to farming, so the kind of things you're going to look at, and this will be on the fact sheet, you're looking at personal health, uh, holidays, days off, hobbies, courses, Christmas slowdown, red letter day, birthdays, weddings, you know, things like that. Now, there's a very good point from Stuart saying that we don't know what's coming up. Sometimes we don't know what's coming up. Um, you know, something like a wedding, for example, you usually get about three months. If it was normal times, you get about three months warning. So you work towards making that happen. And what's critical about working towards making that happen is allowing you to go there guilt free. It's allowing you not to be the person who goes to the, to, the, to the church in the morning, gets home, does a bit of farming, and eventually joins the, rest of the wedding party in the evening. You know, it's about having a quality of day off where you have guilt-free work. So you're not, you don't feel guilty that you're working. You, if you went home to do that work during the wedding, you feel guilty that you were doing it. Um, you want to have guilt-free work and guilt-free leisure. That's what we're aspiring to when we manage time po um, positively. School activities, etc. So we're discounting time. Now, there's ways to discount time. I've got non-negotiable time here. This is my protected time off. You know, no matter what happens on my farm, I will take these, this time off in August. That's my time. That's protected. I will put everything in place to allow that to happen. If you want to be, if you're an employer, for example, and you want to show willing to your staff, you can have what's called negotiable time off. So I'd like that weekend off. However, if a member of staff wants that as their protected time off, I can negotiate on that. So I'm not being absolutely militant and military about all of the time off. I'm just picking time that I'm protecting for myself and then I'm negotiating the other time. So here I might have a discussion group day, for example, a discussion group day, I'm away for the afternoon and that's, you know, where I'm, I'm training the local GAA or you've got something on that's yours, okay? So we've got lots of stuff going on there. And also the skeleton or bare essentials. So you're going to have, maybe you're working towards um, July to December being skeleton or bare essentials weekends. Are you taking time off across Christmas? So time can be viewed in lots of different ways. And this panics people a lot when you say, you're, you're, you know, you're protecting time. There's different ways of managing time. You can have skeleton shifts, you can have negotiable time off, and you can have protected time. So when we look at this, we've got quite a, it looks, you know, it, but what frustrates me, I suppose, as, as, um, as somebody who's working with the industry, trying to get people to be more conscious about time, is that um, quite often when we do this, somebody will do this section of the exercise in the group and the farmer next to them will give them an old dig with the elbow and say, God, you're not a proper farmer. Look at all the time off you take. So we need to get rid of that because, you know, if, if you feel that you should be seen not to take holidays because it's better, you know, because you look like a better farmer, we have to move away from that. And for me, working in the industry, the last five years, I think there, thank God, there's a great shift away from this working all hours is the badge of honor. It shouldn't be about how long you worked. It should be what you got done. Okay, so we find that people who have demands on their time are actually more productive than somebody who has all day to do, to do the job. So, you know, we need to be kind to each other and not, and, not be, and not criticize when somebody looks like they're taking a lot of time off, saying to them, how are you doing that? That's fantastic. How can you manage that? And, and asking questions, and that's where the group becomes really valuable as well when you're, when you're discussing it together. So we've discounted the time not available to farming. When I did this originally um, with Marion, with Abigail, with John, we started off and we did the farming year first. And what happened was when we showed the farming year, farmers started saying, gosh, I don't have time to take, I, I can't take time off. So we had to swap it around and say, right, take your time off before you consider the farming year, because otherwise you won't take the time off. So we take our time off first. We then map, we then need to think about the farming year. Now I've done them separately on this next slide. So we think about the farming year, put in every single thing you know about your farming year. Absolutely everything. 
at the small scale, this is going to give you indigestion. When I put this together, you're going to look at it and go, it's too busy, I don't like it. That's because of the size of the, the uh, piece of paper. But when you put it on a bigger scale, it's not as intimidating and it's really, really informative. Think about how you're putting that information in. You can see clashes, you can see things that are, you know, you can see that something, you, you might need to get something done on a particular weekend, but something else is already happening. So you've got to be mindful of that. Put in as much information as you can. One of the things that we would, I have here as well, you see the CR, so that's a calving review. After every significant block of work in your business, you should sit down. And this is even if you're working for yourself on your own. What went well? What did I do well? What could I have done better? What can I take from this? What will I take from 2021 to make sure that 2022 is even more productive? So you're reviewing critical events. So we've got, you've got um, a calving review. I've got a silage review here. I've got a breeding review. You know, you're thinking about, you're looking or you're taking time to reflect because if you use a planner properly, it will inform the following year and it will inform the following year to say, gosh, I was completely unrealistic with the amount of time I thought that job would took. It takes half that time or it takes twice that time. I'll remember that for next year. I'll log that for next year so that I'm not caught out. I got caught out this year because I didn't really appreciate how big that job was. So you can really inform the following year by putting that information in and reviewing what it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, if, if Stuart is listening there, just give me a reminder of time because I just realized speaking on a time management talk, I forgot to wear a watch, so that's a bit frustrating. But um, just give me a call if I'm, if I'm running over time there at all. Um, so look, put in as much as you can into that. Into that. And of course, now, by the way, this is all the stuff you're doing in addition to, to milking um, and feeding and, and looking after your animals. So these are all the extra jobs. And you put in as much as you can so that you can anticipate it in advance. We have lots of, of expressions around planning. One of them is um, a failing to plan is planning to fail. So that's a scary idea that if you don't plan it, it'll fail. And you know yourselves, you say, I'll take next, I'll take next Wednesday off. Asher it'll be fine, I'll take next Wednesday off. Do we ever take the next Wednesday off? We don't because something else crops up. You've got to log it in and, and make, it, make it happen. You've got to plan for that. One of the, the really valuable, just back up to that previous slide, one, why do we put in all these barriers of time? Why do we put that in first? Because it focuses the mind. The brain is very, it's, it's, you could call it telescopic. It is, it, it's, it's, it's attracted to a, a deadline. So when you say to yourself, it's going to take X amount of time, your brain tracks to that. So when we put in a deadline, your brain will track the energy required to, um, that you need to expend in order to achieve that task. How do you know it? Think about the week before you go on holidays. It's extraordinary the amount of work you get done on the week before you go on holidays. I probably said it to Stuart before, the best expression I heard as a farmer, an Irish farmer saying, it's amazing how you can get a day's work done in the last 20 minutes before evening milking. That's because there's a definite finish and you push your energy, you just, you know when it's going to end. There's light at the end of the tunnel. If you don't know when, if you've got, you know, if there's no definite barrier, your brain has nothing to track towards. So the more barriers we can put in place, the better and more structured and more productive that we are. Okay, so we're tracking towards something. I have to get that job done this week. I won't have time to do it next week. And I know that because I've planned what's happening next week and this, 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 and this is happening. If I want to go to that birthday, if I want to go to that discussion uh, group without feeling guilty, if I want to attend the conference, if I want to go on a guilt-free holiday, the holidays one is interesting, actually. It seems to be across speaking to different farming groups. Ten days seems to be optimum. Uh, a lot of farmers say they can't do the two weeks. Two weeks is too much. They, they, get, they get bored. They get distracted. So 10 days seems to be optimum. Um, it might be that you find that idea in ter terrifying, taking 10 days off. Start small. You know, go at a weekend. Go for a guilt-free weekend and work it that way. Okay, so we've got our time off. We've got what's happening on the farm. Put everything you know. You know, knowledge is power. Stick it in there, as much information as you can. Okay? And... Um, so this is before, yeah. Just before I move on there, I suppose for people yeah. that are to do this for the first time this year, like I, I would find in every aspect, both at home and with, with Jagu's work as well, trying to estimate the amount of time that it's going to require you to do something. And then there's also the element of, um, okay, it's going to take me an hour to do that. But then there's the discipline that we would have talked about beforehand of not answering the phone when it's ringing, etc., and actually focusing on on the time or focusing to do get the job done. And I, I think I read something, or I think Julia might have said something over Christmas there actually to me that uh, you, if if you get distracted from your work, does it take you some 
probably between 12 and 20 minutes to get back to where you were. Um, if, yeah, you, if you, if you're, if you, so if you take a phone call or you get a text message or something like that, that just even momentarily changes your mind from the task at hand, it does throw you off. Absolutely, we look at that um, and that's the focus we look at on a daily basis. So that last model that I look at, I, I'm I just, you know, in terms of what time am I on, Stuart, just so that I make sure that I, I get to that because that's a, that's a good, a good model. Okay. Yeah, 25 past 10, so you have plenty of time. Okay, no, no problem, no problem. Okay, so yeah, absolutely, um, we look at that, the idea, that's just discipline on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and that's the ability to triage your phone calls and that's the ability to anticipate what's coming up. I think possibly, Stuart, I said it to you the last day that we were, we were speaking, the 15 minutes. So this idea when you're in flow, uh, when you're really involved and deep into a piece of work, if you get distracted for whatever reason. So see, it's the discipline to put your phone on silent or, you know, to manage your, your phone so that only your emergency phone calls come through. You know, smart technology is there to help us. It's not there to hinder us. People often say, you know, oh, that we, I blame the mobile phone. Well, you can't blame the mobile phone because it's your choice to answer the phone. So it's, it's having the discipline on a daily basis. And I will come to a very specific model on that um, because, you know, again, that's about productivity and having the discipline to know what's distracting me. If something is taking you much longer than you, I think Marion's, some of Marion's research is fantastic, you know, and looking at something and saying, it looks like you work a 12-hour day, but when you, when you drill into it, they're actually only working a nine-hour day because three hours were spent doing other things. So a lot of the times when we look at a task that took us longer than we thought it did, you know, being really, that's this idea of the review that I mentioned here, you know, step back and say, why did that take so long? I anticipated that to take X amount of time and it took way longer. Oh, I took that phone call. I wasn't prepared before I sat down. I sat down to do that piece of work. I went up to the top field to fence the paddock and I didn't have the, the correct equipment with me. And I had to run into town and I had to do this and I had to do that. And actually, we, I wasn't prepared for the job I had a lot of. The job itself would have taken the two hours, but because I wasn't prepared for the job, it took much longer. So we, we need to incorporate the, if we looked at lean management, it's, it's a very, the start of the process to the end of the process. And the start of, say, fencing the paddock, the start of that process is getting all of your equipment together. And the end of that process is returning that equipment to where it belongs. So a place for everything and everything in its place. That's the whole process. It turns out that fencing the paddock is a part of the process in the middle of it. It's only a step in the process. It's not the full process. So when we look at something like lean management, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to think of what is the entire process. And the process is getting the equipment to returning the equipment, not just the, the um, actual doing the job. So they're the kind of things you need to think about on a daily basis, which I'll look at in, at a moment, in a moment. So this is my first draft before a staff are added. Um, it looks a little bit in suggestion. Don't forget I haven't marked in milking there. I haven't marked in feeding into that, into that planner. So there's a lot more going on besides what you see on a daily basis. And um, what's brilliant about this idea here is look, staff are now able to see their options and can negotiate with, their, with other employees or you about their time off. Or for you as, um, uh, if you're working a one-man operator, you know, saying to yourself, okay, I, will, I won't do anything. He, I, I'll make sure okay, I can anticipate I'm going to feel rough here. I can anticipate I'm going to feel rough somewhere else. Or look, realistically, if I do have a bit of occasional help, where would they be best used in that system? And that's what you would do next. You would look at it and you'd relieve stress periods in the coming months. So I know that I've got very intense calving here. And look, this is the calving one. This is an interesting one. I'm going to go with Chagas guidelines. I'm going to have compact calving. I've got my first two weeks are calves left, right and center. And then it slacks off a bit. But when do I feel it personally? When do I feel it emotionally, psychologically? Uh, in March. Every farmer, every farming group I speak to say, God, March is a killer because you've got cumulative tiredness. And I always use Abigail's expression, you know, a, far, a farmer she was speaking to said, um, how's Calvin being? He said, hairy, because he hadn't time to shave. Okay, so it's thinking about what to anticipate. Now, if I've never worked in your system before, I've never done spring block calving, and I'm, I hate, I'm wrecked, I'm tired, I'm feeling negative about everything, being able to say to them, that is normal. How you're feeling right now is normal. It is intense. You will feel absolutely rough. As an employer, I might take a staff review for tiredness around here because I know that people are feeling bad. So I have it here. Toughest calving week or month staff review, and that will be for tiredness. You know, you're being conscientious about your staff. It would be being conscientious about yourself, saying, I'm, I'm a one-man uh, you know, one operator. 
I've, I really do feel negative in, in, in March. I'm, I'm a bit cranky and this, that and the other. Being able to say to your family, don't come to me with issues or problems during March. My head can't cope with it. That's perfectly acceptable. It sounds harsh, but it's, it's, it's far less harsh than you biting the head off somebody because you're tired and, and run down and frustrated than to say to them, can we discuss this at a later point? Now is not the time. So you're using this information to help you be more productive, to feel better about yourself. So people know why you're an angry bear or when is a good time to speak to you. And, and on that, actually, um, I was talking to quite a large operation in the UK. It's in, in construction. And I just happened to have some of these in, the ba- in my bag because I'd been doing some agricultural stuff the day before. And I just showed these planners and it turned out that we used this for, to, for two departments to work properly together because it was a conflict between sales and accounts. And the sales, uh, the, the sales guys were struggling. The accounts guys wanted information, but it wasn't coming through quickly enough. And we actually sat down and we drew a calendar and said, this is where you need to have the information by because that's causing stress for the accounts department. And the accounts department was, you know, the sales guys were saying, well, realistically, we can't do that because. So they had a conversation around the planner. They were able to sit down and say, these are the pressure points. How can we as a business get around those because it's causing st- stress and tension in the business? We're not communicating and it's causing a huge, amount, a huge amount of frustration. So really look at your year and say, where are the opportunities for me to make my most important times of the year, um, the stress times of the year, to make those run as efficiently as possible, all things considered. So we certainly shouldn't find ourselves running out the, the in the middle of calving, trying to catch up on our fencing because we're going to put fresh cows out in the grass. That should have been done in advance because you knew you were going to calve at that time of the year. You knew you'd have fresh cows going out onto grass, you know, having a kick around, delighted with themselves, maybe challenging the, the, the electric wire a little bit, see how, what they could get away with. You knew that in advance. You need to use that information. And so what you might do here is you might have a fencing audit around here where you put a lot of time into making sure that I, uh, my fencing audit is green. I decided to do it in August. I put, I put a huge amount of time and effort into making sure all my system was really good. I might review it again maybe later on in the year and see if my fencing was still up to scratch. I've done a water audit long before I brought my cattle in because I want to make sure that everything is running efficiently. You're doing things that mean that you have time in the system when you're already under stress, under pressure, because it's, this, you know, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. You're already under pressure and something simple happens and that just that breaks you. So we're trying to remove those things that add extra pressure to an already stressed time. And that's where the planner is really, really valuable. I can see now I have a picture of time. If I say to you what's happening next month, you can see it. But actually, when you see what next month looks like in relation to the whole year, you can start thinking about where is the best place to put my energy. And again, we need to move away from peaks and troughs. So killing ourselves for the first six months and then taking it idle then and saying, oh, look, sure, that can wait. That's six months away. No, that is, there's plenty of time for that. That's six months away. Being able to stop that little voice in your head a little bit like Stuart saying it's just dropping the distractions and saying, now is the perfect time to get that done because that's one thing I won't have to worry about come next spring. So we're using that planner to help us to identify, to, to help us to protect time so that we get uh, stressed, um, guilt-free time off farm, to make sure that we're getting everything done that we need to get done, uh, to use it as a communication tool for the people around us, including our families, and thinking about the year that it's not just about what I do today, but it's thinking about what I do today affecting everything else. It's thinking about how what I need to get achieve across the year impacts what I do today. So we know from research that people are overambitious on a daily basis and underambitious long term. So it could be that you feel run off your feet on a daily basis and yet when you reflect on the year, you feel you haven't achieved enough. That's because you're not thinking about them together. Think about the big picture first and work it back down monthly, weekly, daily. What am I doing now? What's the best use of my time? So back, bringing it right back down to daily, this comes into um, Stuart's questions. Bring it right back down to daily. This is a really powerful model of time management. Uh, if you've got staff, this is a great communication tool because you can use the same language. But every single person should be running this through their head every time they look at a job that they need to do. Now, where would I use this? You've got your milking, say your twice a day system. You've got your milking in the morning, your milking in the afternoon. Where do we lose time on farm? On that spongy part of the day that isn't specifically accounted for. So we know milking is really efficient because it's got it's, it's lean management. You've got a start and a finish. It's a whole process that is you're focused on that you're not multitasking. So that's highly efficient. 
let's take that idea and bring it to the rest of the day. So in that time, the two hours before lunch and the two or three hours after lunch before afternoon milking or evening milking, what are you doing with that time? That shouldn't be up for grabs. That shouldn't be let go to chance. You should be allocating tasks for that time to make sure it's run efficiently. How do we allocate time? How do we know what we should be doing at any one time? Well, we run a triage system in our heads, and this is what we're going to use. These are very famous from, from Eisenhower. He was Supreme Commander of the um, Allied Forces in the Second World War, President of the, the US. You know, we can assume that he was a pretty productive individual. So he's often attributed with these Eisenhower quadrants, made more famous by Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Every task that comes across you or that you're giving to a member of staff, you should ask yourself, how important is this and how urgent is it? Now, if it's important, it needs to be done. If it's urgent, it needs to be done and it needs to be done soon. Okay, so it needs to be done soon, I should say. So it's important, it needs to be done, it's urgent, it needs to be done soon, now or soon. Okay, so we're important, not urgent, it needs to be done, but it's not going to be done today. Not important, urgent, um, it's happening, it's right in front of you, but it's not, it's not necessarily important. And then not important, not urgent. So we'll get, we'll, we'll get rid of this straight away. Not important, not urgent. Dude, this is a time waster. This is social media. This is gossiping. This is spending two hours talking to the sales rep that, whose product you don't even want. You know, this is getting sidetracked, sidelined. Not important, not urgent. Being distracted by the, the farmer down at the mart talking about he's doing this, that and the other and you feeling you need to follow that as well. You know, this is about being very, very um, disciplined not to get sucked into time, things that waste your time. So we're going to, we're not even going to discuss that now. We leave that to the side. This is the critical one. Okay. This is the really, really important one. You operate your system the whole way towards this. Now, this is your long-term stuff. It's important, not urgent. So you, it's stuff that you want to happen, but isn't necessarily going to happen today. A good work-life balance. So working the year, a, a, a fantastic 2021. You're not going to know if it's a, a fantastic 2021 until the end of 2021. So it's long-term making that happen. It could be changing your herd profile. It could be expansion. It could be succession. So these are, long, these are the long-term important, not urgent, things you want to happen. Let's talk about them. Not, so your, death, your, your deathbed regrets. Okay, it's a bit morbid, but your deathbed regrets. Looking back in your life and saying, what do I want to achieve? Being able to say, what would I like to say I've achieved? And they're the important, not urgent. Okay, now this could be long-term and short-term. So they're the long-term, so they're the big lofty goals that you want to achieve long-term to raise your children successfully, et cetera, et cetera. And um, everything you do on, this, on these quadrants should be towards fulfilling these objectives. On a daily basis, we've got importance and urgent. So these are things that you need to do and you need to do soon. You need to list those in order of priority. That's your task list. That's the things that you say, this is what I'm going to get done today on January the 7th of uh, uh, 2021. What do I have to do today? Now, mere mortals, like myself, we go for the quick wins. We look at a job and go, oh, I like that. It's easy. I like it because I'm good at it and it's easy. So it's easy for me. I'll get rid of that first. Or that's a small job. That's a five-minute job. I'll get rid of that. That's a false economy. Okay? Highly effective, productive people would take that task list on a daily basis and they would prioritize it. Say you've got 10 tasks. They would prioritize it one to 10, one being the most important job they need to do that day. They wouldn't go for the quick win or the job they like. They would go for the most important job of that day and they would tackle that. Now, if you've got a list of 10 jobs, you have to live with the likelihood that in the time left between milkings, you're unlikely to get past task three on any day, but you should live in the knowledge that you're doing the three most significant things that are going to move your business or your objectives towards this quadrant. Now, that's a head wrecker for a lot of people, because if you've got a list of 10 and you've only ticked off two, surely being able to tick off five looks better and feels better. It actually doesn't. It doesn't feel better. Getting the big, ugly job done feels far better than getting five nice jobs done. And the big, ugly job, this, this is the famous expression, eat that frog, comes from a book by Brian Tracy. He's a time management guru. And he used the quote from Mark Twain. that said, if the first thing you do every day is eat a great, big, ugly frog, the rest of the day feels quite easy. So if you get your big, ugly job out of the way, your big, ugly job is typically the job that moves your business forward. Of course, if I said to you, if I threw out as a question, what is it going to be on any farm? Everybody's going to say paperwork. That's the big, ugly job that I avoid. Now, critically with the paperwork, when do farmers tackle paperwork? At the end of the day, when they have the least processing power in terms of their brains are already wrecked, you're setting yourself up to fail. You're, set, you're doing the job you like least at the worst possible time of the day, you don't do it well, and then you're riddled with guilt afterwards. Give yourself an advantage. 
start at the beginning of the day, make that, put that as number one, the paperwork, get it done, get out of the way. And the rest of the day feels magnificent. It's like your shoulders have lifted because you're feeling good about yourself. I've done the horrible job I hate. By doing the job you don't like and doing it well, you start to like the job because you don't feel as intimidated or frustrated or guilty about it anymore. You go, this is fine, I can do this, what's the issue? And actually doing jobs you don't like, you might incentivize yourself, you say, I'll do 20 minutes of it, I'll do that. When I have an hour of that done, I'll go and have a nice cup of coffee. When I have an hour of that done, you know, you can incentivize yourself originally. So list an order of priority here and do the right thing. Do not get distracted. If you're doing a very important job, protect that time. So paperwork, that takes a lot of, of cognitive power. You know, your brain has to be involved in that. Don't take phone calls. You know, think about the phone calls that are coming. If you know about phone calls in advance, schedule them or schedule them. So say, Stuart, I'll speak to you at 11 o'clock. And now Stuart knows exactly who's calling him at 11 o'clock and what we're going to speak about. So we've scheduled that phone call. I haven't interrupted Stuart, for example. This is the tricky one. And this is, this is um, so just before I go on, so this is a quadrant of effectiveness. That was a quadrant of immediacy. This one here is the quadrant of delusion. Why is it delusion? Because we mistake something being urgent for being important. And the sales rep is a brilliant example. The phone is a brilliant example. It's there in your hand. It's ringing. It's making itself urgent by ringing. Only you make it important. Only you can make it important by giving it your attention. So we have to have this really aggressive triage system here where we say to ourselves, here's a phone call or here's a sales rep. Do I need this product? Do I need to speak to this person? No. Have the ability to bin that phone call. Fundamentally, people ring you because you answer the phone. You may not be the right person to ring, but you're the easiest person to ring. I'll ring Stuart. He'll give me the answer. I don't have to think for myself. So you've got to think about what behavior you are allowing other people to have in relation to you. Reschedule it. You know what? I do need to speak to Stuart, but I'm not going to speak to him today. I'll reschedule it. I'll ask him if he can take a call at tomorrow at 11 o'clock. By doing so, by the way, I've just shoved that up here into short-term, important, not urgent. So it's important to speak to, to Stuart. I just don't need to speak to him today. So I've rescheduled my phone call and it's moved into this quadrant. Or I need to speak to, to Stuart and I need to speak to him now. That's become a priority. But realize that if I take that phone call now, I have put it up into this quadrant as number one on my priority list. And what happens? The three, day, the three important jobs I was supposed to get done today, I don't do them. I only get two done because I spent too long on the phone to Stuart. So we have to have, we need to know that time influences time. If I spend time doing something, it impacts somewhere else. It's an opportunity cost. I've lost time doing something else. So if I take that phone call, if I make it important, it's urgent because it's ringing in front of me. If I make it important by answering it, we understand that there's a consequence for that. And the consequence is I shoot it up into this quadrant, important, urgent, and I make it number, my number one priority. And therefore, I have shifted the other priorities down. And after the phone call, I might say, right, I spent too long speaking to Stuart. There's no way I'll get task three done today. I'll have to move that on to tomorrow. So that becomes an important, not urgent. Okay, so we're moving this. This is a dynamic system. It's moving all the time. If you are consistently operating in an important emergent, you are fighting fires and it is not sustainable. There needs to be a true emergency. We always think that we're in an emergency. True emergency is usually family health. Significant family health is the real crisis in anybody's life. If you sit down and think of it, there's very few things that are a real crisis, but family health is one of them. So one of the questions I ask people when they say, oh, I have to answer the phone call, Will anybody die or will you lose millions? And if the answer is no to either of those, then why are you wasting your time taking those phone calls? Be disciplined not to get dragged into something that looks like it's important just because it's urgent, okay? That's huge discipline. And it hurts in the beginning because maybe you feel like you're being rude by not answering the phone call. But who you're really being rude to is yourself and your family because you're putting a burden on yourself and the other people around you by not getting what you want to get done and coming home, you know, going back in at nighttime, feeling rubbish about yourself, stressed that you're not getting things done, feeling overwhelmed. So if you're constantly fighting fires, when the genuine crisis arises, you have no time left spare in the system to react to it because you're already overburdened. So this is a huge one. We need as far as the dairy, the dairy industry needs to be more realistic about what it can achieve on a daily basis. We need to use the system I've just described about discounting time. You should apply that on a daily basis. You should discount the time not available to you in farming. Decide you are finishing come hell or high water at six o'clock every single day. Remove the time not available to farming. 
um, having your lunch so six o'clock all the time beyond six o'clock in the evening is not available to farming your lunch your breakfast picking up the kids you remove those from your day and then you see what's left and you very aggressively say to yourself realistically what can I achieve tomorrow and if I get halfway through task one of my important urgent that's a good day of work for me because I've done what I was supposed to do. I am a dairy farmer. My cows are milk fed and safe. Everything else is a bonus. So when we look at time management for everybody, whether you're an employer or, um, or operating on your own, having the discipline to down tools when you should down tools, not to get sucked into oh, another 10 minutes will help me finish the job, not getting sucked into uh, believing something is, is urgent just because it's there in front of you. The more stressed and under pressure you are, you will confuse urgency for importance. You will think that you need to answer the phone. So you need to have time and space in the system to work this properly. Now is a great time to try it. Stop yourself. Every time your hands go to do a job, stop yourself and say, what am I doing now? Why am I putting my wellies on? I'm supposed to be doing my paperwork. Get your wellies off, go into the office. You know, have systems in place. Um, every time your hand reaches for the outside door, where am I going? Why am I doing that? And incentivize yourself to do the work you don't like doing but must be done. So make sure that your office is a clean, comfortable, well-lit, or um, tidy uh, space so that you've no excuse but to get your work done. So prioritize on a daily basis. Get the big picture. Work backwards. And spend every minute productively so that you walk away from your farm feeling good that you got what you need to get done, feeling positive about your sense of achievement, and showing the people around you that farming is a great and worthwhile industry to be in um, that, that can give you huge quality of life if you choose to operate a system that is productive and efficient. So uh, the quadrant of waste, that's my, my presentation in terms of uh, slides, Stuart. Okay, excellent. No, like, thanks very much. Um, I suppose I've written down a few bits and pieces here. I suppose, um, again, just referring to my own situation there before Christmas, I happened to be talking to David Leeson, um, just trying to line up something with him there for this year. And David made a comment to me and I thought it was very uh, appropriate. And now you can scold me if necessary, but um, so we promised to send out an email to people that had been participating in the series and it hasn't gone out yet because I went on holidays uh, on the 18th of, of December or whatever it was. And it was on foot of Dave's comment, actually, because he actually asked me when I was talking to him, um, when, are you going out, when, are you taking out, when are you kicking off for Christmas, basically? And I said, well, I was hoping to go on next Monday, but I, I'm not sure if I'm going. And he said, Stuart, if you're going, go, because you could be hanging uh -huh. around and the days will just get filled up. Um, so that's why I took off anyway, the 18th of December, because we had to use up the leave anyway as well. Um, well, I think that's a very important uh, comment as well. I suppose the, the other thing I think um, what I found interesting was to do the three most important jobs of each day. And, I, I, and it, it's definitely stuck in my head what you said before Christmas as well about getting cows fed and stock looked after every day is your priority and everything else is a bonus. Like, And uh, I think people have to probably give themselves an awful lot more credit for than they do for what they actually get through. Um, but I, what I would say is that, like li listening to Tom, I had a good lot of interaction with Tom uh, in preparation for yesterday uh, and prior to that as well. But he's implemented a lot of what you said, and he is one of the coolest customers you will meet. Uh, now, maybe he was that way before he did the course. I, I, I didn't know him before that. But like nothing phases Tom really like. And uh, like if you ask him to do something, it'll get done. And it, it's just interesting that all the things that you've said there, I've seen them being put into practice by Tom uh, and some other farmers as well as we've been going along, but it, they really do work. Um, so the question that I have here is in regards to phone, how do you, how do you manage to be a nice person and still protect your own time with all these people, you know? And the other aspect is, I think you said it before we went live, in relation to how important discussion groups are for people for social interaction. I did get there from before Christmas. Again, excellent content, but you could be very lonely if you were to implement some of the rules that Nolig has suggested, is that I was told. Yeah. So um, I would, would you comment on that? And then I have another scenario then as well, which is, again, it's a family farming scenario that you might comment on how a person could get the best out of their time in, in that scenario too. Okay. 
Uh, just on the first one, so the, the comment about Tom and, and a cool customer, when you manage your time effectively, you feel in control. And somebody who's in control is not a control freak. They're in control. So the control freak is somebody who's out of control and they're grasping at everything to try and gain a sense of control. The cool customer is somebody who has a strong sense of control. When you manage your time effectively, you have that strong sense of control. And you're the type of farmer, in terms of farming, you're the type of farmer who's seen at events, who's around, who gets jobs done, because, who gets things done for other people because they have time in the system. So there's a huge aspect of mental time management. It gives you a huge um, degree of mental toughness. It allows you to feel in control of a system. Control is one of the biggest aspects, is one of the four aspects of mental toughness. So it gives you that control. The other thing, um, the other parts of mental toughness just are, are commitment, challenge, and confidence. So when you're getting things done, you feel confident. You don't, things don't feel like a threat. They, they feel like a challenge and something you can rise to rather than you're overwhelmed by. Um, and the last one was you can commit to things and you, you feel committed because you're getting things done. So time management really feeds into a huge uh, um, amount of psychological uh, satisfaction. Um, the next question was, uh, oh God, I forgot the next question. What was the next question? Um, just how we'll say one of the people had been in touch with me before Christmas and said that if you were to implement everything that you were suggesting, it could be quite lonely. Absolutely. So what we need to think about, so people, I, I get quite a lot of kickback in groups and saying, well, I can't, I can't ignore my neighbour. Be very disciplined about who you give your time to. Because there are people who are energy vampires. They'll, they'll take everything from you and then the day that you need help, they won't help you. So we need to have that discipline. Yes, I understand that you feel good about yourself helping other people, but not if it's, if it's dragging you down. So look, when we look at, at, at stakeholders in the business, a good neighbor is worth three good employees because a good neighbor is somebody you can call in the middle of the night to help you out when you're stuck. They'll mind your kids. They'll look after your mother. You know, so good neighbors, this example. So you, you sit down and you say, who is helping me in my life? And who would I drop, you know, who do I know would help me? And I return that. And be mindful of who the, the, ener the energy vampires are. Who's sucking energy from you and you're giving them time and you're not getting it back. And have the discipline to be able to walk away from that. Now, that is tough. And, and it makes me sound like I'm really cutthroat and nasty. But when you sit back and think that you've got to put, you've got to put yourself first. It's really selfish not to put yourself first because if you become a burden to others, then you've done exactly what you hoped you'd never be. You've become a burden. So you have to look after yourself first. Um, the interesting one about if you manage this stuff properly in your time effective, you won't be lonely at all because you'll have time to go to discussion groups. You'll have time to interact with your friends. You can go for the, te to, for the game of tennis. You can go and play your badminton because you've time in the system. So it's actually the complete opposite. If you implement these things, you wouldn't be lonely at all. You'd be in a position to join local groups. You'd be in a position to help the community. You'd be in a position to spend more time with your children or your family. Or, you know. So actually doing this well is the complete reverse to being lonely. This creates time and space in the system that allows you to really enjoy a quality of life. And typically a quality of life means being around people whose company you enjoy and that you can contribute towards and they're contributing towards you. So I would totally challenge that idea that if you implement this, you'd be lonely. What you are is you're focused on a daily basis to make sure you can do all the things that you want to do rather than you're, you're spending all day doing the things you have to do. You should be spending an, an element of the day doing the things you have to do in order to free up time in the day to do the things you want to do. Okay. Um, so uh, one, of the other, uh, one of the other people who's on regularly actually rang me as well before Christmas and in their situation, they're milking less than 100 cows but they have to look after a, a parent and they have to do a lot of toing and froing with kids as well because their wife is working. So what would you say to that person in terms of managing their time? Like the, like this spongy time, I think you called it there between the milkings. Now, in, in this case, the milking time has to be expanded out in order to deal with all the things that have to be yeah. dealt with. But the spongy time in the middle is actually probably compressed more than in, in other cases because there isn't that much spongy time. So what does that person do? And like the comment that they were making is it's very hard for them to justify paying somebody on an ongoing basis because the scale isn't there um, to, to fill in the gaps where they could ideally do with it. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, look, it's a, it's a big challenge. Um, and I, I think more than, more than any case. So we've got a number of things. You would look at your day and say, well, what, what in terms of those, those obligations, in terms of, of caring for somebody, um, and the agricultural community is, is fantastic in that relation, that they, in, that, in that sense that they, they tend to keep relatives at home um, and, have, and are able to do that, which is absolutely 
a huge selling point of agriculture that you have the time through the day to do you know, things for your family, for example. So it's protecting, it's looking at your day. So we, we talked about the discounted calendar and we talked about, you know, remove the time in the year that's not available to farming. Sitting down and aggressively looking at your day and saying, what do I, okay, I don't have that amount of time because during that time I'm collecting the children. During that time I'm, I'm caring for, for, the, for the person I give care to and protecting that time. And then saying, well, realistically on those other days, what can I, get, what can I give away? What do I not need to get done today? When is a better time of year to do it? And just re-shuffling. Re, um, I suppose it's shuffling your time a bit better and thinking about, okay, I can't afford somebody permanently, but what I can do is I can afford somebody for a couple of hours a week. What am I doing when that person is in? What am I using my time for? Am I so grateful that somebody is in that I'm taking a rest in the corner or am I using that time productively? So it's, it's having the discipline to say that because my time is so finite, am I doing the right thing at any one time? And the only way you can do that is to sit down and think about where you're spending your time. And it might be that you've spent way too long doing a job that just needs to be done. You know, not every job needs to be done 100%. Many jobs, 40, 50, 60% is sufficient, but you got lost in the job and ended up doing a 90% quality job on it, when in reality that was putting pressure elsewhere. So it's really stripping back your jobs and saying, where are you spending your time? Um, for that individual, that's a very tough system. And, it, it's, you know, and it's, it's disillusioning as well because you're maybe not getting through what you want to get through. But being able to reframe it and saying, what's the biggest priority I have? Actually, my biggest priority is caregiving. And farming is in addition to that. And when you get your head around that, it doesn't feel as difficult. You, you know, you've, you've reframed what, what caring means to you. So um, there are times when you'll be caring, think, God, if I didn't have this, you know, if I didn't have to do this job, everything has to be fine on the farm. You don't know that because you haven't had that scenario. So it's just being able to step back and say, I would love to be able to do X, Y, Z in my farm. I'd love to have the 150 to 200 cows, but I can't because this is where my priority is. And I'll do that really, really well. And in the meantime, I won't allow other things to distract me so I can do both, so I can do the other things sufficiently. So it might be for that individual that farming sufficiently is the right choice, not excellently, not amazingly, caring excellently, farming sufficiently, that might be the balance that person has to strike. And it, that's a tough conversation. Like that, that is a difficult scenario that you're, you're putting in front of you, Stuart. But it is really about creating where is your priority and understanding that some, it's not all about work at the end of the day. It would be lovely if it was all about cows, but at the end of the day, you know, what do cows contribute towards the ability to be able to care for somebody that you love? Yeah, fair enough. I suppose the other thing is that that person should uh, have have big belief in what they're doing as well that like they'd probably be a bit hard on themselves given that what they do get through every day is probably phenomenal in one sense um kind of feeding off of of what you just said there in relation to doing the job 40 50 percent rather than 100 percent tom downey's asked is it is it not a killer not to finish a task for just for the sake of 10 minutes um you know what it's it's the biggest for me that's the just the typical farming one it it really hurts to to put your to, your tools down i the best example i can give is um i was working with a um a company and, and one of the guys actually was the financial director and he said he kept going on he said this is a 10 minute job i'll finish it in 10 minutes and he said two hours later he still hadn't finished the job and when he started it he was it was okay it was computer he was looking at numbers on the computer and he, put, he, he got up and he walked away. And when he came back the next day, he finished it in 10 minutes. So sometimes putting your tools down means you do it more effectively when you come back to it. Most of the times it does. And the thing is that 10 minutes, what does it bite into, bite into? Now, 10 minutes in its own right doesn't seem like much. 10 minutes every day across a working year is, a 40, is 48 hours, which for the normal person is a working week. So when you look at that in the isolation, sure, it's easy to write off your 10 minutes. What you have to ask yourself is how regularly are you saying, but for the sake of 10 minutes, wouldn't it be fine? So thinking about where does that 10 minutes eat in? And, you know, we have smart technology, put a timer. It is really, it's a, it's a really difficult discipline. Like I would do that myself in my own work. I'd put a, uh, my phone on and say, oh yeah, I'll put, I'll put the, uh, the alarm on to, to, to finish in 45 minutes or an hour or whatever. And you do want to keep going because you're in it. But the discipline to walk away and to apply yourself to the next thing is really, really valuable. And you can come back with a fresh mind to that piece of work and ask yourself, by the way, what's the worst thing that will happen? Will anybody die or will you lose minutes if you don't do that last 10 minutes? Now, what is, what is the killer about finishing that the next day? Nothing. But I agree with Tom's question in the sense that our brain likes to feel that process is 
complete to complete, you know, start to finish it's complete. So we can get tricked into that, but in terms of lean management, we know from research and lean management, it's not efficient to do that. You should down tools and go to the next job that you've operated. So yeah, sorry, Tom, you just need to have the discipline to walk away. Will anybody die? Will you lose millions? No, okay, leave it till the next day and understand that 10 minutes in isolation is fine, but you have to ask yourself, if that's your mentality, are you stealing 10 minutes all over the day, every day? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then I suppose the final question to wrap it up then um, is from PV Murphy. He just said, ask Nolik to say something about the role of consequences in priority decision-making. The role of consequences, what a great question. So of course, the opportunity cost of time means that uh, there's a consequence for every time you, you prioritize your, your work. And um, you've got to ask yourself, what are your priorities? So we talked, uh, we talked um, the, before Christmas about the Pareto principle, that 80-20 rule. So doing the jobs that there are 20% of the jobs will give you 80% of your revenue, for example, that's how you would look at it. So the consequence is that um, I, I have found across all my, um, across any of my clients or are working in any industry, that the consequence of prioritizing has always been nothing but positive because people aren't allowing their time to be wasted elsewhere. They're not feeling negative at the end of the day or guilty for underachievement. Um, Actually, one of the consequences, there's, a, there's one that I've come across, come across a couple of times. So when you do, when you do prioritization really, really well, you, you complete a five-year plan in three years. And I've come across clients who are disillusioned after the three years because they've achieved everything they wanted to achieve and now they feel there's nothing to do. So that is a consequence of being highly, of being highly uh, productive with time. However, that's, the fault there is that um, a five-year plans, you're always in the first year of your five-year plan. So if you're achieving your five-year plan in less time, you should be reviewing your plan to look for what's the next five years. You know, you should be, you, you are obviously under-ambitious in that five years. So you would be reviewing it consistently. A five-year plan isn't something you write, stick it in a drawer and five years later, take it out and think, well, did I, did I do everything? You're reviewing as you go along. So this is the review, the review system that I mentioned in the planner itself, reviewing it. So that is a consequence. You get through a lot. Uh, for farmers, what's the consequence? You may have a bit of extra time in your hands and you feel a bit idle and you feel a bit frustrated uh, that you've nothing to do. You might get a bit bored. That's a consequence of prioritizing really well. I would certainly find that would um, affect the farmers. They get a little bit dangerous uh, from September to January because they're a little bit bored and they start tinkering with systems that are already highly capable. So for that farmer, it's saying, well, if I've released time, what am I going to do with that release time? You know, and, and making sure your hand, hands aren't idle. So you use it for something else. You go off and you learn Chinese or something. You know, so if you're releasing time, it will get consumed again by other things if you don't account for it. So we'd see with elite, athlete, elite athletes. Elite athletes would have, you know, they spend so many hours a day training. And they'd often say, God, think of all the things I'll achieve when I stop training. And when they stop training, they don't specifically account for that time beyond their sport. And so you meet them 10 years later and they're no more, they haven't achieved any more than they did when they were elite athletes because they didn't account for that time. It got consumed by watching television or by, you know, things that weren't. So if you're releasing time, you must account for it elsewhere. So the consequence of managing your time effectively is getting through your plans maybe faster than you expected to, um, maybe being a little bit idle at times and not knowing what to do with your time. And, but the biggest consequence of prioritizing is a feeling of satisfaction and achievement that you are you are achieving it goes back to your comments Stuart, about about tom o'connell being in control being relaxed and being able to help others because you have time available in the system to do it you're not so under pressure that you can't help out somebody if necessary okay so look we better wrap it up there and like i suppose um a couple of things to finish up i suppose in defense of myself i actually did manage to get away for my wife's birthday that weekend uh, but it was thanks to the, the generosity of one of my friends that actually bailed me out rather than anything else. But it was a slightly stressful uh, period of time trying to get that organised. So it does come down to the, the whole story of planning. And Martina's right, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be the same time this year again. Enough for, for her, her birthday as well. So, but um, I suppose just to, to, to wrap it up, I suppose there's, a, um, it, I think if people have to give themselves credit for what they're actually getting through uh -huh. in, in any given day, and I think what I picked up from you there, not like today, like of the 10 tasks that you've identified that you need to do today, uh, if you get three done, you'll have done a good day. Uh, so don't be hard on yourself. Um, I suppose writing them down, that's definitely something I picked up from Tom. Like, I mean, uh, write, writing these things down and, and the other thing that I really picked up from Tom is what would be nice to get done this week and what do we have to get done this week so that's test prioritization in a softer system uh, and 
like again when you think about what he said yesterday it's so true like i mean between christmas and conferences and he said he even said like he when he, talking about chagask yeah and other organizations you all think we've nothing to do in december and january he said but it actually eats into the time very quickly so you it have really to really does so um just i suppose thanks a million nolik uh in relation to the whole process of, uh, uh, around Skillnet sponsoring this, we have to give them information as to who is involved. So I'm going to send out those emails the, this afternoon uh, so that people can respond to that, uh, so that Bridget Quigley can get details of the people that were involved. Um, that's important from her point of view. And uh, we will follow up then with the, the planner and I will also email out the people, to the people that were on the call today. We'll get the fact sheet that you were talking about um, knowledge as well. Okay. Also, people that watch this back in the recording, uh, we might ask you to just email email us if you're looking for the fact sheet because we want to obviously have a, an idea of who's watched the recording if you're looking for it. Um, just then to, to talk about next week, I suppose next week we're going to the slight change uh, because of um, logistics around Zoom and so forth. There was a once a day conference is supposed to be running through the Let's Talk Dairy platform next, next Thursday, but it was set up as a different event. So you will have to register for it if you join in. So many of you will have gotten an email from me or from Zoom in the last couple of days saying that Let's Talk Dairy for the 14th of January has been canceled. It, there will be a Let's Talk Dairy, but it's going to be the once a day meal conference. And who's going to be speaking at that? We have Nick Sneddon from uh, Frontera in New Zealand is going to be talking about the once a day experience in New Zealand. We have a farmer from the Leash Kilkenny border, MJ Delaney, who's doing once a day since 2013 as a result of uh, land fragmentation predominantly. So he's going to tell us about his experience. And then Emer Kennedy is going to give us an update on the trials in Moorpark that were done last year, which were ver are very interesting. So I suppose um, we'll wrap it up with that. Thanks a million again, Nolik. It's fantastic talking to you. We'll talk to you a million times over again, and we will probably talk again during the course of the year. Uh, wish everyone a happy new year and all the best uh, for the coming week. And everybody take real great care out there at the moment because we haven't had the challenge that we have, had, we have currently in front of us as much at any stage during this virus. So people be careful, minimize your contacts as much as possible. And we'll try and get out of this because if we don't get out of it now, we're going to be dealing with it for the full 12 months again. So I think it's really, really important that we double down and try and minimize our contact with people um, on a face-to-face -face basis, etc. So just everybody take care, be, be safe, and we'll talk to you again next week. And thanks again, Nolik. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and thanks for listening.